0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us in this episode of Hot Topics in Specialty Pharmacy, where we chat with practitioners and leaders to discuss topics relevant to the specialty pharmacy workforce, business, practice, and our profession. My name is Autumn Zuckerman, and joining me today are my fellow lead authors, from the recent ASHP survey of health system specialty pharmacy practice clinical services, Jessica Marani from Trellis Rx, Amy Smith from the University of Tennessee, Melissa Ortega from Tufts Medicine, Jennifer Donovan from Shields Rx, and Nick Gazda from Cone Health. In this episode, we will be discussing key findings from the ASHP survey of health system specialty pharmacy practice clinical services 2022 as well as opportunities and challenges for the future of health system specialty pharmacy clinical services. Welcome everyone. I'd like to first start out by acknowledging the representatives from the 26 sites that participated within the Vanderbilt Health System Specialty Pharmacy Outcomes Research Consortium that really began this work and helped develop the initial survey, as we'll discuss. I'd also like to acknowledge the Vanderbilt Qualitative Research Corps, who provided expert guidance and survey review, and leaders within the ASHP Section of Specialty Pharmacy Practitioners that assisted with pilot testing and cognitive interviews. To get started, I'll provide a brief overview of the survey itself. The first ASHP National Survey of Health System Specialty Pharmacy Practice, which was completed in 2020, Aim to describe specialty pharmacy practice models developed by hospitals and health systems across the country. This survey led to the ASHP proposed definition of an HSSP as an integrated advanced practice model that incorporates specialty medication use management across the continuum of care. The clinical services survey, which we'll be discussing today, was designed to focus on significant gaps that remained in the understanding of HSSP pharmacist activities across the spectrum of specialty medication management and HSSP impact on care coordination and patient outcomes. This effort was initiated by the Vanderbilt Health Systems Outcomes Research Consortium, which is an open collaboration among HSSPs that was created in 2019. This consortium began discussing ideas around developing a survey that was focused on these clinical services in July, 2021. We developed five categories of focus, pre-treatment, treatment initiation, treatment monitoring, continuity of care, and education and research, which we'll be discussing today. To begin these efforts, 26 sites that participated reviewed around 51 articles published by health system specialty pharmacists. And then four investigators at Vanderbilt reviewed an additional 50 articles to develop a current report of HSSP services and identify gaps that needed to be included in the survey. The review of this literature was recently published in AJHP and summarized currently reported roles and gaps in roles described within each of those categories. So after we reviewed that literature, um, we developed survey questions to address each of those gaps. And the goal of the clinical services survey, the one that we're discussing today, was to aggregate data to demonstrate the benefits of HSSPs by demonstrating the clinical services that we provide. To develop the survey, participating consortium members developed work groups for each of the five categories. And the work group leads, which are my fellow speakers today, met weekly for five weeks to review, edit, omit, or add survey questions within each of the work groups. The resulting questionnaire was then reviewed by two qualitative researchers in the Vanderbilt Qualitative Research Corps. ASHP staff then completed focused cognitive interviews from four ASHP SSPP executive committee members to assess and improve potentially confusing survey items. And then after further survey edits, the questionnaire was piloted by one HSSP. So the final questionnaire consisted of six sections and 119 questions. ASHP identified a convenient sample composed of specialty pharmacy leaders from health systems, hospitals within health systems, and standalone hospitals, which resulted in 441 unique contacts with email addresses. The first contact was made February 2022, and the survey closed in April of 2022. The survey data was then analyzed by statisticians at Vanderbilt. The response rate was 29%, which is really phenomenal, with 127 unique organizations starting the survey and 90 completing the full survey. The mean progress was 76%, so pretty great progress, even in those sites that were not able to complete the full survey. Looking at respondent characteristics, about half have offered specialty pharmacy services for over seven years, 64% were affiliated with an academic medical center, and 99% were 340B covered entities. Thinking about the different types of models of health system specialty pharmacists, the specialty model where a pharmacist is dedicated to a specific clinic was the most common model at 42% of respondents. But the generalist or a hybrid model were also common at 30% each. When asked about prescription containment, about 45% of respondents stated that they were able to fill around 25 to 50% of the prescriptions that are generated at their institution, and 30% said that they could fill 51 to 75%. There were very few respondents that could fill less than 25% of the prescriptions generated at their institution or greater than 75%. We then asked the number of clinics in which health system specialty pharmacists have either full or partial support for patients prescribed specialty medications. Most respondents reported full HSSP support or partial support in one to 10 clinics in their institution. Interestingly, as the number of clinics increased, there was a trend towards having full rather than partial HSSP support. Most respondents reported dedicating pharmacists and technicians in 1 to 10 clinics, and the proportion between pharmacists to technicians was similar, indicating that both are typically integrated in specialty clinics. The first section we'll review are the general capabilities of HSSPs. There were seven questions that assessed HSSP general capabilities. To begin this section, we asked respondents to report what services they provided to all patients that are referred to their HSSP versus what they provide only to those that they're able to fill for. Services provided to all patients were commonly related to helping with medication access and affordability or steps prior to treatment initiation, such as medication selection or pre-treatment disease state assessment. About half of respondents reported providing initial patient education and injection training to all patients, regardless of whether they fill with the HSSP. It was also not uncommon for HSSPs to have patient visits with clinic-embedded pharmacists and assist with transitions of care for all patients. Fewer respondents reported providing services to all referred patients that occur after treatment initiation, such as monitoring, ongoing education, adherence support, and REMS management. Over half of HSSP respondents had at least some specialty pharmacist operating under a collaborative pharmacy practice agreement. The next question asked what HSSP activities were documented in the EHR and visible to providers? Unsurprisingly, all surveyed actions were frequently or always documented and visible to providers by more than 50% of respondents. The top four activities documented in the EHR included process and status for insurance navigation and financial assistance procurement, patient response to therapy, initial patient counseling notes, and medication reconciliation results. In the next question, we sought to better understand what data elements HSSPs collect and or report to stakeholders to demonstrate their value. HSSPs reported collecting and reporting most of the data elements that were listed, such as time to treatment, capture rate, provider and patient satisfaction, clinical outcomes, financial assistance, adherence, and prescription volume and financial performance. We did find that most of the data that's collected is communicated to the Health System C-suite or to clinic staff, and that really little data is currently being communicated to patients. The most common data element reported to manufacturers and payers were patient clinical outcomes, adherence, time to treatment, and patient satisfaction. So the key takeaways from this section were that HSSPs are well-established and have a high prescription volume and moderate retention rate. HSSPs provide extensive medication access, treatment selection, and initial counseling for all patients referred to the specialty pharmacy, regardless of whether we're able to fill the medication or not. Patients who fill with the HSSP, however, benefit from additional services. With HSSP integration, providers have significant visibility into the patient journey through the electronic health record. And finally, HSSPs primarily use data to demonstrate value to the health system clinic and C suite. There's definitely an opportunity here to improve what and how we communicate value to other stakeholders, including patients. So now that we've covered the general capability section of the survey, we'll move to Amy Smith, who is an outpatient clinical pharmacy specialist at the University of Tennessee Medical Center, to discuss the pre treatment section of the survey.
2: Thanks, Autumn. A little background on the pre-treatment section. Survey participants were asked six questions regarding specialty pharmacists' actions and interactions that occur once a decision to treat has been made, but prior to treatment selection and or initiation of therapy. Some of the key findings from this section are health system specialty pharmacies reported that pharmacists played an active role in evaluating insurance coverage and medication affordability, as well as medication selection, with about 62% reporting that pharmacists always review provider med selection and alert them with concerns, and a quarter frequently or always actually selecting medication therapy that is authorized by a provider. Notably, 12% frequently or always utilize a CPA when making a therapy selection. So that right there is huge. These clinical pharmacists are assisting physicians, nurse practitioners, and other providers to determine which therapy is going to be the most appropriate for the individual patient and provide the most optimal outcomes. Next, which is not surprising, 99% of HSSPs reported utilizing the electronic health record to obtain pertinent pretreatment screening information, such as past medical history, baseline disease activity, previous therapies, lab results, and other safety parameters that pertain to the treatment options for a given disease state. If pretreatment medication safety requirements were not met upon receiving a medication referral, most HSSP respondents coordinated with the clinic and patient to have the necessary pretreatment workup completed or notified the prescriber or clinic who then coordinated with the patient to have the workup completed. So here we see the pharmacists are actively involved in making sure patients have the necessary pre-treatment workup completed, again, to assure that therapy is safe and appropriate before the patient is started on the medication. Now, a very important step of the patient's medication journey with starting any therapy is going to be counseling on that medication. Here's what HSSPs reported in regards to pre-treatment counseling. A little over half reported sometimes, frequently, or always providing counseling prior to a medication therapy being selected. And when counseling did take place prior to treatment selection, it was most often done in person during a provider visit or via an additional clinic visit at a later time. So that summarizes the results from the six pre pre-treatment survey questions. One finding from the section of the survey that I found interesting was that a low percentage of HSSPs are utilizing collaborative practice agreements, and I think that has to do with the fact that specialty pharmacy is just what it sounds like. These are highly specialized areas that pharmacists don't typically get training in how to physically assess or read imaging results or whatever it may be for these specialized patient conditions such as oncology, rheumatology, gastroenterology, and so on. That being said, HSSP clinical pharmacists can still utilize CPAs to prescribe medications, order labs and immunizations, and other clinical interventions that would still be considered in the scope of their practice and allow them to work at the top of their license in these specialty areas. And in my opinion, it's okay that HSSPs don't all practice under CPAs. This doesn't mean that we're not working collaboratively with providers, it just may be that these pharmacists don't have a formal agreement outlining their clinical roles. So that concludes my section. I will hand you back the floor, Autumn.
1: Thank you so much, Amy. The next section of the survey was treatment initiation, which was led by Nick Gazda, Assistant Director of Specialty Pharmacy at Cone Health.
3: Awesome. Thanks very much, Autumn. As Autumn mentioned, I'm going to be going over the treatment initiation section of our clinical services survey. This is a smaller section. In the survey, but I think a very important one and a very critical step to get patients on their complex regimens that often requires a lot, lot of assistance from uh, pharmacy personnel. One of the major, first major focus areas we kind of dived into with the survey was around providing a patient, patient assistance, and trying to get some quantitative data on what our programs were doing around patient assistance so we kind of asked what programs and efforts our health system specialty pharmacies use to reduce patient financial burden and we found that there were some standard things that greater than 95 percent of all programs surveyed said that they were offering to patients as part of their specialty pharmacy program and this included patient assistance programs manufacturer copay programs manufacturer free drug programs and then disease state foundation support so i think this was a great finding and kind of quantified some standard standards of care, standard of practice across health systems, especially pharmacies. There were some opportunities that a majority of health systems, over 60% surveyed today provide, but potentially some opportunities to expand with regards to health system-specific medication access programs, as well as patient charge accounts or payment programs. And again, I think these are good opportunities as we're able to leverage being part of large IDNs and health systems to be able to give back to our patients. We also asked those that were part of the survey to quantify the dollar amount, the amount of patient assistance that's obtained for patients on an annual basis, and um, it was a little... A little bit all over the board, I think, depending on the size of the program, can drastically change this. But it's very interesting to find that um, over 90% of the program surveyed at least provided $1 million annually in medication assistance to patients, with the largest category being $1 to $5 almost 40% in that bucket. And then... 14% of those surveys were providing greater than $20 million annually in medication assistance. And as you can imagine, this is a significant benefit to patients and a great opportunity to offset some of the financial burden of our patients. Also, a very important aspect of treatment initiation, as I alluded to, is counseling. So we asked some questions around how initial medication counseling and initial injection training was being completed.
2: Telephonically
3: was the most common in both of those buckets being telephonically, 73% of those surveyed were frequently or always. And for initial injection training, 57% were frequently or always. Some of the other methods surveyed in programs providing included a separate clinic visit during provider visits or telemed video counseling, which makes sense with the scope and kind of outreach of some of our specialty pharmacy programs. So it would be interesting to see a repeat of this survey done if there's an increase in telemed video counseling with significant pushes nationally within the pharmacy profession to provide more uh, telemed video counseling. Uh, the last question we asked was around immunization screening. Uh, 75% of health system specialty pharmacies surveyed that they provide immunization screening for those filling at the internal pharmacy or all patients referred to the health system, specialty pharmacy. I think this is a good question to ask and what we're kind of trying to understand here is what other value-added services are specialty pharmacies providing outside of kind of the bread and butter specialty pharmacy dispensation and counseling. I think there's a lot of great opportunities for preventative care services, immunizations, other kind of health, general health screenings with uh, these patients to be able to get another touch point with a clinical pharmacist and our health system, Specialty pharmacies are uniquely physician to provide that and have the expertise to provide that extra value added survey, the service. And I will hand it back to Autumn.
1: Thanks, Nick. That was a great overview. Next up, we have the treatment monitoring section of the survey led by Jessica Marani, Director of Clinical Outcomes at Trellis RX.
0: Thank you, Autumn. All right, everyone, let's dive right into the treatment monitoring section. Now for this section, survey participants were asked 23 questions about treatment monitoring for a patient who is actively on therapy. The first key finding I wanna highlight is the frequency of touch points health system specialty pharmacy teams are having with their patients once these patients are established on therapy. Over half of respondents stated that the average number of touch points for a patient in their first year of specialty treatment was six or more. What's even more impressive about this is that this is excluding refill calls. The modalities of these touch points included in-person visits, telephonic communications, as well as EHR portal communication. This frequency of touch points really showcases health system specialty pharmacies' high-touch model— and their ability to address treatment issues or concerns in between provider visits and right when they occur. The next key finding I want to highlight is the completion and documentation of pharmacist interventions. To no surprise, the majority of health system specialty pharmacies reported performing all clinical interventions that they were surveyed on. Furthermore, more than 70% of respondents report documenting these performed activities in the EHR. These interventions included things like coordinating both financial and non-financial specialty pharmacy issues, recommending discontinuation of therapy or a new start or change in specialty medication, mitigating drug-drug interactions, performing immunization screenings, adherence support, ancillary drug initiation, and lab screenings. Again, this comes as no surprise, but it gives us an idea of the wide range of clinical and non-clinical activity being performed consistently across health system specialty pharmacies to impact patient care. The next key finding I want to highlight is the collection of outcome measures. The first one I'll talk about is the collection of disease-state-specific outcome measures. Almost all health system specialty pharmacies reported tracking their patient responses to therapy using a disease-state-specific outcome. And again, what's even more impressive here is that over half of respondents report that a single negative response or a negative trend in outcomes triggers a pharmacist intervention. So again, showcasing that high-touch model and assuring that therapy issues are identified and addressed while a patient is on therapy in that timely fashion. Now, outside of just these disease-state-specific outcomes, several other outcome metrics were reported to be tracked by more than 75% of all respondents. These included things like patient satisfaction with the health system specialty pharmacy, quality of life, time to medication fill, patient reported goal progress, relapse, flare, or disease progression, and adherence. Medication switches was an outcome measure that less than 50% of respondents reported tracking and could be a key area for improvement in terms of data collection. The last key point I want to highlight is how the frequency of patient assessments is determined. 76% of respondents report that the frequency of patient assessments is determined by patient or disease state factors. These patient or disease state factors include things like adherence behavior, duration on therapy, the baseline disease severity, a social determinant of health, poor factors for patient outcomes, or financial instability. And 64% of respondents report that the frequency of these patient assessments is determined by medication factors. These medication factors include things like safety or effectiveness, monitoring requirements, an anticipated adverse effect burden, treatment course duration, and route of administration. This is really incredible and such a unique ability for health system specialty pharmacists to be able to tailor monitoring of their patients based on all of these factors I've mentioned above. It really allows for a level of individualized patient care that would not be possible outside of the setting where there's direct access to the patient, the provider, as well as the electronic health record. Now, one finding from the treatment monitoring survey I found particularly interesting is that a third of health system specialty pharmacies report currently assigning risk categories to medications. Of those that did, medication risk was most commonly determined by adverse effect severity or frequency. This really showcases the direction that patient care is headed in the health system specialty pharmacy space. Health system specialty pharmacies are able to proactively counsel, educate, and potentially help stop inappropriate discontinuation of therapy. That concludes the treatment monitoring section, and I'll hand you back the floor, Autumn.
1: Thank you for that explanation, Jess. Now, I will ask Melissa Ortega, who is the Vice President of Ambulatory Pharmacy Services at Tufts Medical Center, to review the Continuity of Care Services section of the survey.
4: So, thank you, Autumn, and it's my delight to be here with you today. In this section, we're looking to better understand services that enhance our specialty pharmacies to care for our specialty patients longitudinally and holistically. We had HSSPs respond to 25 questions. The first takeaway that I really wanted to highlight with the holistic management of our specialty patients and pharmacies is that 69% of the respondents reported offering services beyond traditional specialty medication prescription fulfillment. More than half of these HSSPs actively referred patients to health system services such as nutrition, social work, and financial services. And a third supported the continuity of care services by providing urgent or emergent medication supplies when necessary and managing non-specialty chronic conditions. Less commonly... Continuity of care services that were provided included immunization clinics, preventative and wellness health screenings, nutrition support, and sexual health and preconception services. And I think what's really exciting is we're seeing a lot of innovative services. And most importantly, we see evidence of our HSSPs providing more services than just the fulfillment or managing the medication, but really managing the patient. Another key takeaway that I wanted to highlight was in regards to our overall participation with our REMS programs or drug safety programs required by the FDA. Here we noticed that HSPs commonly manage anywhere from one to ten REMS medications that require pharmacy enrollment or pre-testing. A quarter of the HSSP respondents reported managing REMS medications that they cannot fill. This shows our efforts to really improve continuity of care because the onerous really falls on the dispensing pharmacy. And unfortunately, in some of these scenarios, this may be indicative that the HSSP's pharmacies don't have access to these medications. Another thing that is important to highlight in this section is the role that health system specialty pharmacies play in decreasing The cost of total care by ensuring medication appropriateness and resource utilization across the continuum of care. The survey highlighted many key takeaways around this theme. The first one being over half of the specialty pharmacy respondents were involved in some managed care activities, most commonly by collaborating with health system accountable care organizations or payer groups to provide specialty medication management, or they even participated in risk based contracts with payers. Additionally, also about half of our health system specialty pharmacy respondents were involved in population health initiatives, such as collaborating with health system population health services for patient monitoring and developing or utilizing the medical record screening tools for patient monitoring. Further, what we found is that 61% of our health system specialty pharmacy respondents reported collecting and/or using social determinant of health data most commonly noted around financial resource constraints, but there was a big numbers, 96% of our health system specialty pharmacies were doing a lot of this work. Also to note, the health system specialty pharmacies are also commonly involved with managing healthcare costs. Most health system specialty pharmacies are highly involved in waste avoidance efforts at 97%, and verified on-hand medication quantities before processing refills, and more than 80% performs clinical interventions that avoid medication and healthcare waste. Also, they reviewed specialty medications for clinical appropriateness before submitting prior authorizations and were involved in stopping or changing treatment. Another point in this section that I wanted to highlight is that health system specialty pharmacies also commonly coordinated care for specialty patients through multiple episodes of care across the continuum, such as insurance coverage changes, navigating a patient through sites of care transitions, navigating a patient through different retail or specialty pharmacies, or even medication administration modalities, as well as multiple healthcare prescribers. All of these activities occurred more than 60%. Amongst our health system specialty pharmacy, it's also really interesting to know that about half of the respondents indicated during their involvement with transitions of care, specifically around inpatient to outpatient transitions, that they consistently helped with medication procurement, delivering medications at the bedside at the time of discharge, and lastly, completing medication reconciliation at discharge. Again, all really honing in on the point of really providing services more than just specialty medication fulfillment and really focusing in on the overall continuity of care. The final takeaway in this section was technology use. It was noted to support specialty pharmacies engagement with specialty patients and integrative care. Among technology utilized for specialty pharmacy services, the use of the medical records patient portal to communicate with the patient was the most common at 77%, followed by electronic refill requests at 63% and the option for virtual visits at 56%. Lastly, about 40% of our health system specialty pharmacies are engaging in one-way and two-way patient texting with this communication vehicle. So in summary, based on the survey results and our respondents, it is evident that health system specialty pharmacies are enhancing care for specialty patients, both longitudinally and holistically.
1: Thank you, Melissa, for that really great summary. Finally, we're at the last section of the survey, which was titled Education and Research. This section of the survey was led by Jennifer Donovan, the Vice President of Clinical Services at Shields Health Solutions.
5: Thanks, Autumn. Like you said, I'm going to talk about education and the research components of the survey. I'm going to take it into two parts. The first one, really focusing on the education and training. And in this part of the survey, there were seven questions of which 80% responded that they provide at least one educational session to the clinic and staff every year. About a third provide one to two sessions per year and about a quarter provide three to four sessions per year. And the most common method for providing drug information to clinics and providers were an embedded pharmacist. This was at 68% or through in-service trainings, and that was about 67%. So similar in terms of methodology. What we also found interesting is that 60% of health system specialty pharmacies also provide education to medicine learners. And the most common content areas we viewed with medicine learners were specialty pharmacy services. So 100% of the respondents for this question said they all go over the services they provide. About 87% discuss and review insurance requirements. And to a lesser extent, they go over some of the specifics on specialty medication. Less common topics were medication distribution pathways and elements to assure safe use and REMS processes and requirements. The key takeaways from this section, education and training, are we've learned that health systems, specialty pharmacies provide consistent education to the clinic and staff that also includes medicine learners, and that the most common method to complete or conduct this education is through an embedded pharmacist or in-service. Next we're going to transition to the research section of the survey. Here, there were 10 survey questions and health system specialty pharmacy respondents reported that the most common metrics collected prior to integration and or that were objectively measured after integration were the following. Patient and prescription volumes, and this was around 87%, process for drug use via prior authorizations, Appeals and financial assistance, this is at 80%. Specialty patient retention rate at 75%. Clinic workload and provider satisfaction, 71% responded as such, and perceived turnaround time at 64%. We also learned that the most common support for outcomes research was through residents at 74% and students at 57%. Other support did come through via national pharmacy organizations at just about 50 percent and clinical pharmacists that did not have dedicated time for research, but rather volunteered outside of their their patient care duties. And this was at 45 percent. So thinking about what type of research was commonly reported, we learned that approximately one quarter of health system specialty pharmacy respondents produced one to two publications annually, and only 16% produced more than three every year. Conversely, presentations were much more common, where 61% of respondents presented at least one poster or oral presentation following abstract submission each year, and 7% produced more than six presentations every year. So the key takeaway from this section is that Health systems, especially pharmacies, consistently measure similar metrics pre and post integration and resident students typically provide most of the research support. However, national organizations were recognized as a great resource, too. And lastly, research presentations were the most common method collateral from that research. That concludes my section. I'll hand it back to you.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. And thank you so much to all of our leads who have put in so much effort into this project and the survey results and developing the questions and and really aggregating the results and presenting them and highlighting the things that are most important. So I think the survey results that we've walked through today are really clear that HSSPs provide an elevated level of care throughout the specialty patient journey from counseling patients even prior to medication selection through advanced outcomes-based monitoring, all while maintaining transparency with specialty clinic providers. Despite differences in HSSP structure, there are common benefits to the HSSP model, including collaborating with providers on specialty medication selection, coordinating necessary safety screenings, collecting and utilizing patient outcomes, and serving as an educational resource to specialty clinics. We really look forward to disseminating these survey results broadly and assessing how these responses change when the survey is repeated in a couple years. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our speakers for joining us to discuss this recent survey on clinical services provided by Health System Specialty Pharmacies. Keep an eye out for the full publication of the survey results, which will be published in AJHP in 2023. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's online resources for specialty pharmacy practitioners at ashp.org. You can find member exclusive offerings such as Specialty Pharmacy Resource Center, which includes examples of best practices, business development resources, and more. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Hot Topics in Specialty Pharmacy.